0: Welcome to the Leadership Zone. I'm your host, Sheila Walsh, Leadership Development Specialist, Coach and Researcher. Good morning, Jocelyn. It's lovely to have you here with us. Would you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do before we dive into the conversation today?
1: Absolutely. First of all, thank you for having me. You know, my name is Jocelyn Herman-Saccio, and I have been involved in transformative work since I was 11 years old, which is 45 years this year, a lifetime, more than your lifetime for sure. And I've been coaching people for more than 30 years. So I've worked with people in the realm of having their dreams come true, you know, being able to fulfill their goals and dreams now, not someday, and develop what I call the muscle of being unmessable with no matter what life throws at them. And, you know, in terms of my background, in addition to coaching, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a mother of three. I'm a former pop star. I had a number one record in like 1912, it feels like, but it was 30 years ago and have a nonprofit. And I love to make a difference with people and, you know, empower people to live the life of their dreams rather than chase the life of their dreams. I
0: really love that living the life of their dreams rather than chasing it. And I, when I went looking through your stuff, because that's one of the first things I do, when I went looking through the different stuff that you're doing, one of the things that I felt was really evident was this connection between purpose, intention, conscious choice and the type of work that you do. I could see this kind of golden thread, regardless of what I was reading or looking at, that mm. you were really focusing on helping people connect to that kind of purpose piece. Tell us a little bit though about that unmessable with, because I think definitely a few of my listeners and myself would be really interested in that.
1: And people hear unmessable with sometimes and think being tough or something. And that's not what I mean by being unmessable with at all. It isn't about, you know, you can't mess with me. You know, that's a different world. What I'm talking about is being able to stay connected to your purpose, to what I call your dream source, you know, like the reason you have the dreams that you have, your raison d'etre, your calling, however you want to name it, but being able to To stay in that space and take actions from there versus being reactive, reacting to life, surviving, managing, which is 99% of life is spent reacting. And especially if you're successful, you're good at reacting. That's a very different muscle than creation. So a lot of the work or most of the work that I do with people is having them be able to move from reaction to creation faster and faster and faster so that they can stay in that space of magic and fulfilling on their dreams versus getting bogged down in the getting through lifeness that we all kind of fall into. What I
0: really love about that is when you're talking about that kind of magic and that that flow, it reminds me of the flow state from positive psychology, like mm-hmm. accessing that creation energy within yourself but also within your thinking and the way that you behave and I'm just thinking about the listeners who are mostly managing the day-to-day challenges that happen in their organizations
1: mm-hmm. in their
0: own lives and their marriages in raising kids in choosing not to have those things there's yes. a lot of reaction that they're very good at I love that you recognize that but what I am finding is that sometimes for listeners that creation piece that choice making piece does have a challenge because it's almost like how do you begin there so will you tell me a little bit about how you got to this area of work so what has drawn you to doing this specific work and then maybe a little bit about the things that listeners can think about around it
1: yeah well let's see let me unpack a little bit of your question into pieces but what brought me to this is my own dreams and goals. So when I first uh, participated in transformative work back when I was 11, it was because my parents were separated. They were going to get divorced. And my mom was what I would call being messable with about the whole thing. She was sort of the victim in the situation. My father had had affairs and she was sort of like the wife who had been the, the damsel in the situation, right? Now, she then did a transformative workshop. When she came out of that, I got my first glimpse of what I would call being unmessable with. She was like a force of nature. Whatever she created, she was fulfilling on. She had so much power, not like force, but like just the ability to create and fulfill, create and fulfill. Then my father did the same workshop and they got back together and they just celebrated 65 years together. So for me, I was like, well, whatever this is, it's magical. So I started participating. So then flash forward to my early 20s, I had had a dream since I was little to be a singer, but it was like impossible because I had a limiting belief called you don't do your art as your career. Now, I was in a transformative workshop in my early 20s, and I saw that was maybe not the truth. So when I saw that what I had held as real and true for, you know, 15 years might not be the truth, all of a sudden all these actions opened up to me and I was able to get a record deal within 3 months. So that was magical and I said if I could do this from just disappearing one limiting belief, then other people could fulfill on their dreams if they could disappear their limiting beliefs. So I got on a mission to empower people to fulfill their dreams and That word unmessable with sort of came to be back in, you know, like 25, 30 years ago when I really captured what I had seen with my mom, the space I had seen was being unmessable with and being able to fulfill on what's important to you, no matter what circumstance you're dealing with, because it isn't about having perfect circumstances. Mm -hmm. You know, as as you and your listeners and me know, life throws stuff at us and we got to deal with stuff at work or with our family or with our health or with our parents' health or whatever we're dealing with. And how do you be free and fulfill on what matters to you in the face of those kind of circumstances? It's easy to be unmessable with when you win lotto and everything's going great. I mean, you know, that takes no muscle. So I think, you know, what you're talking about, how people, it becomes hard not to be in reaction is because it's an overcompensating muscle. So we stop creating, usually around five years old, you know, we stop really creating and this muscle becomes atrophied. So the work I do with people is to exercise this muscle and give this one a rest.
0: That's really interesting. My mind is popping things. I, I started my business about 13 years ago with a very simple quote which is life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass it's about learning to dance in the rain because i realize that if you're going to wait for the perfect time the perfect family circumstances the perfect everything it wasn't going to happen but what i find interesting is that now when i'm looking at things it's very easy for any of us to get distracted by that reaction piece that fixing piece. And it's, it's also interesting how I was just thinking as you were speaking, because um, a lot of my listeners are in Ireland and the UK and uh, culturally we're quite a practical nation. We're not very motivational in, in how we <laughs> engage. And when and I'm
1: sure there's loads of people going to message me and say, yes, we are. But anyway, but <laughs> well, when, my, my, my in-laws, in-laws are in Ireland. Well, not my in-laws, my daughter's parents in law, my son in-laws from Ireland.
0: OK, OK. Yes. <laughs> So one of the the things that I think is interesting when you're speaking it, I thought about how the listeners will possibly kick into a bias or reject this idea of like magical creation because because I've done many work in Ireland and the UK. I I work internationally, but it's really interesting. And I I thought it might be nice for us to capture what in the moment, if you are listening. And you are having a reaction and you're saying, oh, that's a, an Americanism, because we have a lot of that here, yes. me, or you're saying, oh, that's grand for some people or, oh, that's just motivational. I suppose the question I would pose to the listeners is, is, does it help you to believe that? Is it serving you to believe that the way you're doing everything is the right way and that there isn't possibly a better way to do things? And I'm going to leave that there is a little challenge for listeners to say, actually, could I improve how I'm approaching these things? Could I notice these biases and reactions? And could I make some decisions around them? So that's the first thing that I'm gonna pop a little pressure onto the listeners for. Cool. So Jocelyn, I I know that I, I popped on your website, I've seen your YouTube. I I'm quite interested in how you share your message because I find that you, like I said, that link with purpose, but there's kind of an approach which is we're not denying difficulty. Right. We're just choosing how we manage and then where we focus extra energy, where we f- what we want to create rather than just what we need to handle so will you tell me a little bit about the kind of things that usually come up when you're working with people on this topic what types of challenges show up in their lives and also what kind of things are they distracted from creating
1: well there's so many things that mess with people but you know the common the top hits of of messable with moments are money messes with people, you know, their relationship to money doesn't really matter how much money they have. It's more their relationship to money in general. Family messes with people, you know, they have past based kind of roles that they play in their family that are very old and not really useful anymore, but they're stuck in them. Limiting beliefs about themselves, you know, like what you would call imposter syndrome now, but, you know, doubting yourself, who am I to charge this much or who am I to ask for this raise or this time off, you know, that kind of negative self-talk, I'll call it. Those are, you know, very big things. And sleep messes with people, you know, if they don't get sufficient sleep or take care of their well-being. And I find this is more with women although i have a 50-50 practice my you know my coaching practice is pretty much half half men half women that women's well-being goes first because they're trying to do it all versus have it all and having it all and doing it all are two different worlds and you can't do it all it is not possible physically to do it all so if you're going to be somebody who's committed to having it all you have to get good at delegating, at asking for support, which most people are not, most people are horrible at asking for support, you know, they might be the first ones to support someone else, but they're the last person to make a request, you know, and I find that when well-being, you know, exercise, you know, eating well, whatever it is sleeping that constitutes your well-being goes, then people are much less likely to be able to fulfill on their goals and dreams because they don't have gas in the tank. You know how are you going to drive up the hill or you know drive over the border if you don't have sufficient amount of fuel? So that's one of the first things I end up dealing with people. I mean, I'm not a health coach, but I know enough health coaches to deal with those kind of things. It's not so much what are you doing; it's what's messing with you in taking the actions you know to do. Because most people know what they need to do. They and some people don't, but most people do know the actions they need to take. But there's something in the way of them acting on those things. And that's what I deal with. I deal with what's messing with them so they can be freed up to take the actions that need to happen for them to fulfill on what they want.
0: I really love that. Cause I think one of the biggest misconceptions about coaching is that people don't know what they need to do. In fact, I found that actually people, the majority of the time could probably tell you 80% of what they need to do. Um, the you. challenge is often the relationship with doing it and the things like you said, that are messing with them and the distractions. That's brilliant. So I'm gonna ask you just on the side, if so you've talked about working with women, is there any pattern that you see working with men that you're that you think would be
1: helpful to name here? I would say this is with everybody. So this isn't unique to men, but what messes with people mostly is their relationship to their word. So they say they're gonna do something. You know, this is you know not gender specific, mm. but you say you're okay, so this week I'm gonna, you know, make five calls to possible investors, right, for my new company. And then they don't do it or they only do three or whatever it is. And so what happens is that their relationship to their word is weak. So they end up with reasons or justifications for not having taken the action. So most of the work that I do with people has to do with their word. If you can build the muscle of your word, not so much what you give your word to, Like there are things that you would give your word to and you would never break that word, right? Like what's something that you would never, ever break that word? Is there something something? to my family? Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's like you would never punch your mother in the face. I mean, like that would just never, ever happen, right? So you don't have to worry about keeping that word. But going to the gym four times this week, maybe not quite as solid in terms of predictability, right? So there's a whole world of... What you give your word to ends up with the power versus that it's your word. So my commitment is to shift that to be that, oh, no, it's that it's your word, not the thing you're giving your word to that has the power. So if I say I'm going to take the garbage out at seven o'clock, it's a stupid example. But if I say I'm going to take the garbage out at seven o'clock, that's as powerful. That's as strong as I'm not going to hit someone in the face. Like they have equal power because it's the word, not the thing. I really love that because, again,
0: there's something about integrity in that. But there's also something about that internal alignment that I take responsibility for how I use my word and for how I relate to that word rather than the topic that it's about.
1: Better than you just did.
0: Yeah. And and I think in in businesses, I'm just thinking one of the biggest barriers when you talk about building trust and you're talking about connecting with people is sometimes that you use your word willy nilly, you know, just to, to move something along. And then sometimes it's that you use your word to manage people, but then you don't have a relationship with your word. And therefore, other people don't have a relationship with your word, because there's a disconnection between what you say, and actually your alignment with what you're going to do, but also what you care
1: about, they might be completely separate things. Yeah, that's brilliantly said, because, you know, if you don't walk your talk, and if your walk and your talk isn't aligned with some purpose then you're just all over the place and nobody knows how to relate to you because it's basically based on the circumstances or the mood versus these are my principles and values this is my my calling this is my purpose my word is going to be consistent with that and my actions are going to be a fulfillment of those words and then you're you're living in flow
0: mm, mm. i and i know be, because of the leaders that i work with and the hr teams that i work with i know that this is one of the issues with like retention and it's that people are moving through the world based on circumstances and they don't necessarily have that golden thread and i'm always cautious around purpose because sometimes purpose thinks yeah people think it needs to pick you you know i think the purpose is the things you put your mind to that you that you feel good about and that you think are important and they shift and there's a lovely book grit i can't remember something duckworth i think is the the writer but it's about basically how if you look at someone's career over a period of time you'll see the umbrella of their purpose and i've yet to see that be untrue from someone going from pop star like you said to i don't know ceo you can still see the thread of purpose within their decision making because there's something that they value that is unconsciously influencing them and what i like about what you're saying is bringing some of that forward so that we can see actually what is it that you are moving towards what and is that what you want to be moving
1: towards? Or is it just in reaction all the time it, to what's happening yeah. around you? Totally. So, and that's the difference between designing your life and living a life by default.
0: Yes. Yes. And I I absolutely struggle with the default living. Like, And it's always been like one of my number one motivators is design what I want rather than to default. And that's just because I'm dyslexic. The system wasn't designed for me. Loads of things have taught me that if you just take what you're giving, you're not going to be very content. No, you but can. And you design- it takes effort.
1: It takes yes. muscle and it takes consciousness. It takes discipline. It t- this is not for the weak of heart, living no. this kind of life. It's much easier to live in reaction and by default and people survive and they live a life and they're, you know, they have a, a level of happiness and satisfaction that they have but the other world it takes something but it's worth it
0: mm. and I, I think that's really important because often you know in business 13 years people will say to me Do you you have a good and i'm like i made it good yeah, that's <laughs> you know, right exactly i, I don't have like i'm and i have to continue to make it good and that doesn't Every mean minute. that i i don't have a lot of luck on my side it doesn't mean i don't have a lot of privilege you know all of those things i think are valuable and also I have choices and if I didn't make the choices I I make I wouldn't have what I want and I think the listeners will know that parts of their lives they've they've actively created yeah they will look at those parts differently to the other parts that they're maybe defaulting to or reacting to so a question in the workplace Mm Jocelyn burnout is on everyone's tongue it's a very reactionary position it's it's very much linked to default tell us a little bit about the kinds of things you're hearing about it And you're thinking and you're working with at the moment
1: yeah so there's a few things one of the things that I found is a common source of burnout is not being connected to what matters to you so when you're just doing your job and getting things done it's very easy to be burnt out because you're not connected to a source you know it's kind of like the car analogy again if you're not connected to the gas pump you know, you're going to get burnt out, you're going to run out of fuel. So the same thing with with burnout, when you're not connected to a bigger purpose, a bigger, I call it dream source, because it really is like sourcing your dreams versus just getting things done. So it's the source of why you're doing what you're doing. I mean, I have an example of this with somebody who was working at a juice company, and he was really burnt out. And he, you know, he was like, ready to quit. And, you know, when you're in burnout mode, you start being late, you start kind of like cutting corners, you know, you're not doing an excellent job as you would imagine. Right. So I said to him, well, why did you take the job in the first place way back when, you know, like three years earlier? And he said, well, I wanted to make a difference in people's well-being." And I said, okay, well, clearly that's not present. Like that bigger game isn't present. So that's what i found is a big source of burnout is not being present, like aware of the bigger game other than a paycheck. What's your bigger game? Why are you even in this job? What is this job an opportunity to fulfill on? So that one conversation shifted the context in which he was going to work. And then he tripled his sales in the next week. And he was happy to go to work because he saw it as a vehicle to make a difference in people's well-being versus hock and juice. Every day, and hoping to make his sales numbers, you know. So that's one um, thing. The other thing that is a big contributor to burnout is your calendar being something that messes with you. So I work with people on how to have a really powerful relationship to their calendar and use it to create their life versus just a big to do list and actually create context for every action they take. So if you're going to the gym, that's in your calendar. Why? Why are you going to the gym? just because it's in your calendar. Oh, no, I'm creating vitality, go to the gym. So they put in their calendar what they're creating with what they're doing. And it shifts their relationship to burnout immediately, like immediately.
0: I really, really love that. Because that's, you know, when we talk about burnout, especially in workplaces, people are thinking about all those practical business pieces. And one of the things I've seen to keep teams engaged at work is make sure that the why is really clear to them no matter what the role is and that yeah. they buy into the why as much as they buy into doing the task well. And that's especially true for anybody who's doing work that might be monotonous yeah. or it might be just, you, know, you might look at it and think I couldn't do that job. Well, if the working environment is something that holds people and they like engaging at and then the why they're doing their work connects to something I found that those teams don't have these issues.
1: No, they don't. And, You're or, right. Those organizations don't have these issues. So,
0: and I'm, I'm and that with,
1: impacts, that impacts retention. It impacts productivity. It impacts, you know, the daily work environment, mood, morale. I mean, all the issues that companies deal with when I work with companies and teams, that's one of the key things. And that's a, Everything you've listed is a bottom line impact, exactly. it has a direct
0: impact on that bottom line. But I think because it can feel so far removed for organizations, like a lot of my listeners are HR professionals, training development professionals, and then leaders themselves. And a lot of the time they can say, well, that's really far removed from the profits at the end of the year.
1: No, well, it's, not. <laughs> it's not. Though.
0: And when you're working with a team that has really low retention and you correct these movements, rather than what people tend to do, increase pay. Now, obviously you increase pay if you're not competitive, that goes without saying, but you can't just keep increasing pay. They change work hours, that's fine, but does it help people connect to why they're going to work and feeling good at work? Because those two things, they can transform whole departments when they're processed correctly and supported.
1: And that's what I would say is context is key because it's not the content, it's not the salary, it's not the job description, it's not the things you're doing, it's the context in which you're doing them. And the context has to do with what's important to you, what's the lens through which you're looking at what you're doing or your pay or your job title or whatever it is. So, you know, when I speak for companies, I I have a talk that I do called human resourcing versus human resources. Mm. How do you source your workforce so that they are connected to what matters to them so that they're, you know, it's like that story about building the cathedral where they're walking by and one guy is just miserable and he's chipping rock, chipping rock and and somebody says, well, what are you doing? He goes, I'm chipping rock. And then the next guy is chipping the rock, but he's happy and he's whistling. And he says, what are you doing? I'm building a cathedral, mm. two different contexts, same action. And that
0: we always use the NASA one here. Have you, I think the janitor was asked, what, what are you doing? He says, I'm putting a man on the moon rather than I'm, I'm sweeping the floor. Right. And, yeah. and they're, they're, I'm sure I'm butchering the
1: thing, but no, but that's good. I'll use that one next. Yeah. Time.
0: <laughs> I, but I think it's, it's really helpful because what we often do is And this includes leaders, we get blinkered in that key performance indicators, we get blinkered in the problems, which is exactly what you're talking about, the things that mess with you. And actually, sometimes what you need to do is step back and say, what are the opportunities here and what are the things we're missing? And sometimes we're so task orientated in organizations, we forget that how we do that task impacts the quality of it. Like you said, retention, the way people feel. And burnout at the moment is quite high across the world, which yes. is interesting. I think it's on the back of COVID. It's on the back of war. It's on the back of constant political polarization, like the economy so many things I mean, wearing yeah. people out. So I'm going to ask you, put you on the spot. If there were three things that you were going to leave listeners with, whether it's an advice, a question, an idea, a freebie that you have, anything that you think sure. might help the listeners, what are the three things you might leave the listeners with
1: today? Well, the first thing is I do have something free that I offer people. It's a gift that I give people. It's called, it. you can get it at giftfromjoss.com Joss, and it's a five-day promise game. So this is an opportunity for you to start practicing creating versus reacting so it's five days you'll get an email each day it's it's light it's fun it doesn't take a lot of time but it gives you like a actual sense of what it's like to create so that's one thing gift from jos.com the second thing i would say is i would take that that tool that i give people when i work with them one-on-one is create a context for every to-do in your calendar Just for a week and see what happens. You know, when you're going to have that meeting with your boss, what are you creating? Creating productivity, creating relationship. When you're having date night with your partner, what are you creating? Creating intimacy, you know, whatever it is that you're creating so that you don't have anything in your calendar that doesn't have a context that you've generated. Versus life has generated or the circumstances have generated. So that's the second thing. And then the third thing is I would ask yourself, you know, what really matters to you at the end of the day? You know, let's say you fulfilled every goal, then what? Like, what is it that you really want that fulfilling goals and accomplishing things is your pathway to? And see if you can bring that to life versus wait to get it out of life someday. So if your goal, you know, when I work with actors, because I have an entertainment company, you know, they're like, I want to win an Academy Award. Okay, but why? What is going to be available afterwards? And they say things like, well, then I can be free to make a difference. Okay, how about you make a difference now? go into Starbucks and go in making a difference. Go into that interaction with your mother, making a difference so that you're bringing what you really want to life versus hoping to get it out of life.
0: Jocelyn, that is fantastic. Thank you very much. I'm sure everything will be in the description anyway, links and everything. So listeners don't have to remember or write it down. They can (laughs) click on the link below. I want to thank you because what I'm taking away is that it's very easy to get distracted by everything that we should be doing and all the things that mess with us. And what you're pointing to is actually even within that, while all these challenging things exist and will continue to exist because welcome to the world, we still have choices we can make and we still have power over how we interact with the world and these things that mess with us Mm. and the things that we might be neglecting. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll have you on again soon Love to discuss it. different things as they emerge thanks very much thank you for listening to the leadership zone we can continue this conversation over on twitter and my twitter handle is at sheila walsh one or at LinkedIn, you'll find me under Sheila Walsh. To book a free consultation to discuss your leadership needs or the leadership development needs of your organization, simply visit my website www.sheilawalsh.com and book a free leadership consultation.
1: I look forward to hearing from you.